everybody. The booking is coming right up. But first, a brief note about what you're about to hear. Which, what are you about to hear? Well, you're about to hear an episode wherein we review what book, Brandon? A Wrinkle in Time. A Wrinkle in Time. Did we enjoy A Wrinkle in Time, Brandon? No, we did not. No, we, we did not care for the book. And frankly, we had a grand old time tearing it to pieces. I just wanted to say, in, in going back over the episode, I know a lot of people love this book. I know my mom really loves this book. I'm okay with my mom loving the book. I'm okay with a lot of other people uh, loving this book. But if you're listening to this show, it's because you have spent the time to actually read a book that is on our book list. So we picked the book out. We asked you to read it. We asked you to read it along with us and to invest in it. So you've invested in it. You've invested time in it. You have you come to these shows with your own opinions. Now, in this case, point of order, Your Honor, they may not have actually known we were going to do a wrinkle of time in today because this is like a bonus kind of a... Okay, well, but still, in, in general. Point taken, point taken. In general. Yes. Even if even if they see that, uh, oh, the booking did a wrinkle in time. Let me read that real quick. Right, right. Right, you come to it and you've invested, you've read the book, and you've got your own opinions, and then it can be disheartening to hear our very hard stances that we end up taking sometimes. Right, so we just wanted to give you a little bit of a key to how to listen to an episode like this. It's not that we necessarily disagree with anything that we're about to say. We did have fun trashing the book for a reason. But we also think that taking hard stances can be really helpful. It can be helpful to us to tease out and figure out what we think about a book. A really great example of this is our episode on Winnie the Pooh, where we took some hard stances on Winnie the Pooh, and then we've had a lot of fun digging in on those hard stances, but we actually really enjoyed Winnie the Pooh. No, we do like Winnie the Pooh. A lot of people think that we hate Winnie the Pooh and A.A. Mill and everything he stands for. Brandon did consign A.A. Mill to the the (laughs) The ninth level of of hell. hell. But it was all in good fun. (laughs) But, but, But so here's the deal. We think it's helpful. It's helpful to us in our discussions to figure out what we actually think. And we also think it's entertaining because who wants to come and listen to a couple of guys sit and just sort of dispassionately dissect a book. Oh, yes, well, The Wrinkle of Time, you know, I found (laughs) Charles Wallace to be wanting. No, Charles Wallace is obnoxious. (laughs) So so that's the way that we're going to approach this sort of thing. And if you feel like, man, I invested time in this book and then they trashed it. Now my feelings are hurt because I really enjoyed this book. We don't want you to take it that way. No, I will tell you a mistake, in fact, just to illustrate the point. The Mysterious Phantom famously appeared on some episodes about Gilead. And some people's felt ambivalent about those episodes. For one thing, they may or may not have felt ambivalent about the Mysterious Phantom, which I completely get. But more than that, they felt like, you know, you guys asked me to read Gilead. It was on your book list and you read it along and then the Mysterious Phantom is going to come on and like, I invested in this. I want you to, I want to know that you guys invested in that too. That may have been a strategic error on my part that I don't necessarily want to repeat. Like, I want you guys to know that we go into every book wanting it to be good. We invest ourselves emotionally in even something like Wrinkle of Time, Winnie the Pooh. I'm trying to think of other but things. But we're going to take liked, the book. the bell tolls. Yeah, but we're going to take the book seriously and we're going to take the book seriously on its own terms. And that means that sometimes we're just going to hate it. Yeah. And it, because it's asking us to make judgments about it. Here it is. It's If an author writes a book, it's because that author thinks that that book deserves to be read right. mm-hmm. and ought to be appreciated and loved. And I like opening myself up to the book such that it can hurt me. Like, I'm not dispassionate about the fact that Charles Wallace in this upcoming episode was a really obnoxious character because I want to be the kind of reader and I want to encourage the kind of reading that allows for you to actually be annoyed by a character, to find Mrs. Norris grading in Mansfield Park, mm-hmm. to find the evil characters evil, the good characters good. That's part of the fun. And so then part of the fun of coming to a show like The Book the Afterwards is that we get to be subjected to that same standard by you. Sometimes we're going to be playing the villain or the hero or the annoying one as we try to take on and parse what we think about these characters or this book or these books. And that's okay. Yes. Uh, we don't if you if you disagree with us You're wrong. You're wrong. But but you know You can you, be wrong. Life is this short. This is America. It's free country. It, it, this is America. True <laughs> or false, Brandon? True. We are recording this from the great country of America. That's right. Feel free it, to be in, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> feel free to be wrong. Go nuts. We're so happy to be your friends and happy to have you along for the ride. Yeah, and, and I just uh, you can be wrong. I genuinely enjoy I enjoy exuberant criticism. I like this this is just I here's the secret to the booking. It's just the kind of show that I would want to listen to. I make the show for me because I figure there's a lot of me's out there. Right, Brandon? There are a lot of views out there. Yeah. But here's a I don't did I say this yet? My mom loves Wrinkle in Time. Not right. a dumb lit woman. Not a bad reader. Not an immoral woman. She likes Wrinkle in Time. Well, and here's another thing about a Wrinkle in Time that I don't remember if we actually address in this episode or not, but it's a book for little girls. Yes. We're not little girls. Right. 
And that may have colored our approach to the book just a little bit, but only just a little bit because it's still pretty terrible. Right. Oh, wait. <laughs> the other thing I want to say, I somebody expressed concerns about last week's episode because I was doing my su- a southern, southern accent. And <laughs> I heard from, not from a southerner, but from somebody that was like thinking on the southerner's behalf, like maybe uh, was anyone maybe offended because we all did uh, southern accents. So as long as we're explaining how things work here i just wanted to explain i like the south and i don't i'm not i don't have any antipathy towards southern people and if anybody thought that based on those silly accents to me the humorous nature of that particular segment of the show was about three knuckleheads doing some really crummy accents that they're obviously not good at (laughs) the joke was on us so if that didn't come through i apologize to y'all (laughs) <laughs> Which is a thing I say. <laughs> yep. Yep. Is that fair? That's fair. What's the word? No um, offense. No offense intended. As someone from the South, Nathan, none taken. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. As someone whose family is from the South, none taken. All right. I'm two for two, baby. Okay, folks, sprinkling time. Coming on up in uh, now. Nathan Alberson, you're Nathan Alberson, your humble and obedient host. And hooray, hooray! We have been waiting for this day to talk about a book that is near and dear to Brandon's heart. I know this is one of Brandon's favorite books. Mm. And Brandon, of course, he's the scholar who's a baller of reading. How you doing, Brandon? So well, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I literally read this book over the last two days. And, and they, were, they were the best two days of your life, probably. I'd say this, those two days, and then maybe the first two days of your honeymoon. I'm just going to rank the days in your yeah. life. The first two days of each of your children's existence in yeah. this world, yeah. having been born. Yeah. yeah. The, the first day, the second day is pretty rough. The second day is pretty rough. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> Brandon, you experienced Wrinkle in Time. I did. W-N-T. Yep. The greatest book of all time. Pastor who's a master. Of then we, right got, there. we also got the pastor who's a master of tesseracting all over the galaxy. Jake, have you ever tesseract before? Or tessered, whatever they call it? Only in my mind. <laughs> Only in your mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoa, I'm trying, man. guys. Also, in my Whoa. mind, I see Oprah. <laughs> She's a rainbow unicorn. Have I told you guys that I'm a rainbow unicorn, actually? Are you a rainbow oh, yeah. unicorn? I'm a rainbow Are you a dead star? <laughs> Whoa, Nathan. <laughs> the listener can't see it right now. I just transformed in my true form as a rainbow unicorn. <laughs> That's what I get as a golf clap. Yes. <laughs> Transforming. That's what Madeline L. Engel gets as a golf clap, because we didn't even like this stupid book. I was she being sarcastic. Get a golf clap. <laughs> she doesn't even get a golf clap? No. No, what's the opposite of a golf clap? Boo. boo. She gets a boo. <laughs> right from page one, she, she gets, gets a boo. Right from page one. Brandon wasn't even in this book. I'm going to tell you how much Brandon hated this book, folks. He didn't even like the first sentence. No, I hated the first <laughs> he page. He hated it. He I read the first page. as soon as he read the first page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, for, uh, first page I read it, I started texting these guys how mad I was that I was having to read this. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, just wait until pages two through 200, buddy. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, no. Brandon, spoiler alert, Brandon does not even give her it was a dark and stormy night. He hates it. I hate it. Brandon, Snoopy. Snoopy. Snoopy wrote that sentence all the time. Oh, yeah. He was a dog. Yeah. <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. A, sh- a shot rang out. Do people still know? Pe- Do people still know peanuts? Yeah. Yeah. People still know peanuts. Hey, I'm Nathan, your humble and obedient host, Brandon. Do you know that? I know that. Jake, did you know that? I did. Hey guys, let's tear <laughs> Wrinkle in Time to pieces. Let's do it because we hated it. <laughs> But we should do donors. Speaking of things we hate, we don't hate our donors. No. Oh, we so love you guys. Let me, um, no. They're, they're like the opposite of wrinkle in time. Now, I want to say, true story, I, I've had people tell me more and more recently that their favorite part, no disrespect to context or the fact that this show's about books, but that their favorite part is their donor shout-outs. Donor shout-outs. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have. Huh. Who said that? Well, I'll I, tell I've, you later. I, I've had a few people say, tell that. Uh, it doesn't to surprise me, me as well. But uh, well, no, we we get to hear from. James. It needs to get longer, by the way. Yeah. If you think donor shoutouts is the best part of the show, and you want to extend it, ten bucks a month, babe. That's all you need. Go to www.check.patreon.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because what people value just as much. Forward slash the beginning. Forward slash the booketing. Uh-huh. As the discussion of books is they value just the camaraderie. And the friendship. camaraderie. And that comes out, where does it come out stronger than when we're just yelling out a bunch of names? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> our camaraderie, our intelligence, everything that you love about us, it comes out the most when we are yelling out names that we've assigned people that give us money. Let me view all current patrons in my patron manager so that we can yell them out. All right, guys, are you ready to give a warm... I want you guys to do it as <laughs> Mrs. Who, Mrs. What's It, or Mrs. Witchamawalker. What's her name? Mrs. Witch. Witch. Mrs. Witch. What, Mrs. Who, who and What's It. So you can do it like that. You can say a famous literary quote like Mrs. Idiot. Nailed it. Shots fired. That's some of the. We might as well call you Mr. Wit. Oh, yeah. Based on, based on that petard that you hoisted them on. Yeah. Mm, you didn't really hoist them on. No, I didn't. <laughs> Why is it being petards lately, man? I don't know. I just like to bring up petards, man. We're having fun, folks. We're having fun today. We're taking down Wrinkle in Time because we hate it just like we hate all children's literature. I am, of course, being ironic. We are about in maybe next month or very soon. Very soon. It's going to be post-Remenge of the day. It's going to be a little while, a couple months, I guess. But we are going to discuss a children's book that we absolutely unmitigatedly adore, right? I hope so, yes. I think so. I think so. I can't imagine. What? The kid's book? Charlotte's Web, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that book. Yeah. No, I haven't read it in a long time, but man, did I love it. I haven't read it for maybe, I want to say, two decades and change, maybe three decades almost. I think it's going to... Oh, go ahead. Well, I, I have now read it because I'm I'm trying to get myself ahead a little bit, and I, I've read the first half, and I was already tearing up. I mean, it's great. It's wonderful. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Yep. It's going to do everything it. we've it's wanted hard. a children's book to do. Finally. Finally. Yeehaw. It's like the anti. More people should it's not just that we hate like everything. Anyway. We just have standards. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think that should be our our new motto. It's not that we hate everything. We just have standards. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 let's be honest. We didn't even hate Winnie the Pooh. We we have this rap which we've brought on ourselves by being kind of jerky about it. But we didn't even actually dislike Winnie the Pooh. We liked it okay, right, Jake? Yeah. Yeah, it was fine. It was it's funny. Fun. It's, it's funny. a good adult book for hipster college kids. It's great. Yeah. It's just not good for little kids. Right. No. Or something. I and was reading some poems actually earlier today because we're taping this on my son Jack's birthday. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Jack. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Jack. Happy birthday, Jack. Yeah. Seven years old. He's no mm-hmm. longer six. Mm-hmm. And so I was reading some poems out of A.A. Milne, and I, for some reason, decided to read his introduction to his poems in my old... Hatred started to arise again because there he was writing his prose that was mildly too witty and over the top for a kid. And mm-hmm. Stick like, to the poetry, just, let's, just skip, let's get to the poetry. Yeah, just stick to the poetry, Milne. You really kind of irritate me, Milne. Yeah. <laughs> well, we did consign him to the ninth, <laughs> ninth level of hell. Circle of hell, yeah. But then we read his poems and everything was better. <laughs> and I got to cry with the Now That I'm Six poem. Yeah, I'm going to say bump him up to the first level of hell. Is that where Virgil and all yeah, the Yeah, he could be right there with Virgil. Okay, sure. people are the people <laughs> yeah. that aren't really all I, that I, I would happily be led through hell by A.A. Mill. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> And there you uh, go, folks. Brandon Chastine, he would happily be led through hell by a and you sort of were when you read, read Winnie the Pooh. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, No, Winnie the Pooh was fine. Jungle Book was fine. We have actually liked children's books. Boys of Blur was fine. We've actually never really hated a children's book, I don't think. Am I not thinking of one? Not till this one. No. Well, yeah, there is one (laughs) called A Wrinkle in Tea, (laughs) or that stands for time. And boy, was it bad. (laughs) Yeah, we had a bad time. Hey, Brandon and Jake, in the the guise of Mrs. Who, Mrs. Whatza, or Mrs. Witchmama, let's shout them out. (coughs) Let's do it. To Andrew and Esther. The lovebirds, Jake. Andrew and Esther. The lovebirds. What's your turn? I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Mrs. That's how I imagine the italicized lots of... The lots of 
so consonants and consonants like, on top of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just imagined she. I thought she had a stutter. 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 She just sucked at life. All right, Brandon. Yeah, the inscrutable Jenny Z. Call me the inscrutable Jenny Z. What was that? Call me Ishmael. It was a quote. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're like, Thank Mrs. You. is it yeah. Mrs. Who that then, does the quote? We got to yeah, give yeah. the reference afterwards. Just say Moby, Moby Dick. Dick. Yeah. That was Moby Dick. He was great. <laughs> he was a light to the world. <laughs> like Gandhi and Buddha. Oh, boy. I hate this book. And Einstein. <laughs> yeah, and Euclid. Let's just start naming the people that I learned in school. And Madeline Langle. Because I really wasn't a very good student. <laughs> but good students are geniuses. They're just misunderstood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? It's just like bad Woody Allen. Bad students are geniuses. They're just yeah, bad students. Bad students are geniuses. geniuses. They're just yeah. misunderstood. Brennan? Yes. You've watched Woody Allen movies. Uh-huh. Unfortunately for Unfortunately. you. Unfortunately for me, I have too. Midnight you in know. Paris is pretty good. What is? Midnight, Midnight in Paris was funny. Oh, yeah, he's made one. some good movies. Yeah. But he's also uh, not a good person. No, he's an awful person. But... You know that he was not college educated and that no. he was always kind of had a chip on his shoulder about that fact. And so therefore, he always tried to prove how smart he was. And so therefore, in his movies, you will often have people just like drop a quote from Dostoevsky or you'll have somebody reading a book in bed and it'll just be like crime and punishment or something. And it's just like the definition of someone who f- is emasculated and small and weak and wants to prove how cool they are dropping these references Mm-hmm. which are obvious and lame and dumb. Yeah, it's obvious and lame and dumb. You don't have to go to college to read Dostoevsky. Nope. But it's nice to go to a college to be taught how to read Dostoevsky, and obviously Woody Allen was never done, never had that in his life. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what Madeline Lalingle, L- L- I don't know how to say her name, but that's what it feels like to me is she's just like, reference, thing, I'm smart. I just finished reading The Tempest, so I'm going to quote it like five times. Mm-hmm. Fun fact about Brandon, his favorite... Shakespeare play, I believe. I love The Tempest. Yeah. So you must have loved... And King Lear, actually, the one that we might be doing. Yeah, if Anthony Hopkins gets his version yeah. out in time. Where were we? Oh, Jake. R and RC. RC Cola. and R. Robert and Rhonda. The mouth of Sauron? I imagine her being sort of like a creepy... Doesn't she show up and like frighten the crap out of the kids when yeah, she shows up. I don't know. Yeah, because she's like still trans. No, by the way. Because she's Oprah. And then she never gets rid of her witch garb. Is she Oprah? Because we've got is. Oprah in the new movie version. We've got Oprah. We've got Mindy Kaling. From she definitely the I have Blinds pictures Jones. in my book. I have pictures. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oprah is Mrs. Witch. Okay, so she's the... So she'll be speaking like Jake. So just imagine Oprah <laughs> speaking like this. You've got a new car. <laughs> I am going to be the president of the In the book, she's she's still wearing like, you know, a pointy hat and a fake nose and crap, right? Like she's like I don't know. I don't know. There's so much of this that I didn't pay any attention to. I could be thinking about anything else while I'm reading this book. Well, that's how I'm reading it. So do it. I like it. All right, you know, keep 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 I on. Did. I did. Carry R- on, my wayward R-N-S. son. Robert and Rounded the Lovebirds is obviously what that was. By the way, RC Cola is my new nickname for him because it, I don't know, it made sense in my head. RC. <laughs> it makes perfect R-R-C. sense. Right. Yeah, they love RC Cola. R and R. Do they really Who's love the RC, RC Cola? Why not? Why not? <laughs> I'll go along with your premise, Nathan. Um, John and Jill, the Lovebirds, and little baby Max. All fa- happy families are alike, <laughs> like John and Jill. And the little baby, happy baby Max. And that's from Tolstoy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, my beloved mother Beth. Cry the beloved mother Beth. Yay. What does that mean? I have to do the creepy one this time. <laughs> All right. Um, now, Brandon, I expect yeah. you to do this next one like Charles Wallace. Maya. Hey, Maya. <laughs> Want some avocado toast? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, Ma. <laughs> Want to punch me? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. My name is Charles Wallace, and I'm here to give a donor shout out, scare quotes, to Maya. <laughs> Maya, we're here to shout you out now. That was good. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Golf clap. <laughs> and donor shout out of the year goes to <laughs> Jacob Minsel yep, for his performance as Charles Wallace. Yep. <laughs> My some personal favorites of among our Patreons. 
Jay and Katie who are cold and love cheese. Technically, it's his. Oh, Jake. I'm sorry. I, I robbed that one from you. Yeah, so. yeah, well, we'll give it to Brandon then. Jay and Katie who are cold, c- c- cold and love cheese. <sighs> it was a dark and stormy night <laughs> for Jay and Katie who are cold and love cheese. <laughs> uh, should I give it to you? I yeah, guess. Yeah, give it to me. Benjamin Tiberius. <laughs> Hi, Benjamin. <laughs> My name's Charles Wallace. <laughs> I'm an insufferable brat. <laughs> Aw, we just did the episode about loving your kids and saying my dear Fanny to your kids and stuff like that. And I think Jake's kids are going to like this episode because they like it when Jake lets his hair down on the booking. They really like that, that Halloween episode where we were all shouting. They did just, like that, yeah. yeah. So this is pretty good. I'm glad. All right, anyway, go ahead. Who are we? Oh, Benjamin Tiberius. The shout out belongs... To you, my good sir. <laughs> Man, I hate you, Charles Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Wallace is the worst. I have found my true enemy. <laughs> and he is four years old. <laughs> we have seen our enemy, and it is Wallace. Uh, Nathan, not me. Brandon? Mm, that's a good quote. <laughs> um, ah, Nathan, not me. Nathan, I knew thee well. <laughs> Eric and Catherine, the lovebirds. Nick's is doing a silent thing. I was communicating with them in my mind. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was a mental shout out. I have wonderful mental powers. Die. <laughs> Dr. Good. X. Dr. X. Or whatever. Professor X. Professor X. Mm-hmm. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> what is that from? Professor X. Donor shout out to <laughs> Yay! Golf. Clap for donors. <laughs> oh, no. Bang, bang. The contextual text in Brandon. You got any context about this wrinkle oh, in time? not a whole lot. But um, she looked about exactly as you would expect she would look. Yeah, didn't she really have a... Mildly dopey. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she's the type of lady you would see um, sitting in some mid-range bar drinking red wine every day while she reads a book of poetry. I think she, I, I kind of imagine her as the kind of lady that you would see who's stolen a shopping cart because she's homeless. That's true, yeah. And has, like, a cat just draped yeah. around her neck. <laughs> exactly. It's my scarf. <laughs> it's also my Tesseract. <laughs> It's an infinity stone. (laughs) (laughs) I know Dumbledore. (laughs) So she was born in 1945. She died recently, 2007. There were some interesting things that I thought were just kind of fun to know. Okay, that's more than we could say about the uh, book. It may be after midnight. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, know. folks, we had a long night. We actually, okay, full disclosure, we just, well, not full disclosure, but <laughs> partial disclosure, we just recorded a whole thing of, of Jane Austen. We recorded a lot about <laughs> Jane Austen, and we put our emotional and spiritual and physical energy into that because we knew we didn't care about Wrinkle in Time. <laughs> so we want to give you a good episode, but we're a little slap happy, and we're, we really hate this book. It might make for the best episode this way. <laughs> yeah, maybe you'll enjoy it if you like yeah, silly we'll booking. Let's, let's yeah. just go. Let's, so yeah. She was a liar, okay. apparently. <laughs> <laughs> a liar. <laughs> her father may or may not have actually suffered a mustard gas attack. Her family later on in life all said he didn't, but she really insisted that he did. Right. Um, so that's interesting. <laughs> but is it, but really, he was just a dirty alcoholic, yeah. right? Yeah, he was just a dirty alcoholic. She journaled by the age of eight. Oh, so they're looking good. A shy, Ooh. clumsy child. She was branded as stupid. Okay. By many of her teachers. Her first, her book, when she tried to get this thing published, <laughs> this is my favorite fact about this book. Okay. It was rejected 26 times. You know, my least favorite fact about this book is that it was not rejected 27. That's right. So it's like it's a bundle fact. It's really funny that it was uh, rejected 26, but then sadly, that 27th that time, 20- someone said, hey. And she said, she said, if I remember right, she said she was going to give up writing. Like, yeah. This one guy, this 27th editor, he could have saved us so much grief. Yeah, my wife, no. I talked to my wife about this book. Mm-hmm. She read it when she was a kid, and like a lot of kids, really liked it as a child. But she never liked any of the other books. Mm -hmm. She said she really hated all the rest, and she never could get into them. And I never knew... I'm glad that I never knew, because I would have tried. Because I... She said they're actually just just really bad. I enjoyed 
we'll get to that baggage. And, um, yes, I suppose we'll get to the baggage. But it was interesting because she said that what this book made her feel as a child was that this lady knew something secret mm-hmm. that she wasn't telling her. Mm. And I think that's kind of all, that's kind of the trick behind. Yeah. She's kind of like the Wizard of Oz, yeah. basically. She is not the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> right. I mean, she wishes she could be that novel. <laughs> right. She is the wizard in the Wizard of Oz, right. and just all smoke and mirrors and no substance. Wait, yeah, right, we we understand. You get it. No, here's where I, she's Wait, uh, during some period of her life. Is she the behind the curtain or in front? So you're saying she's the... Frank Albaum? No, she's not Frank Albaum. Okay. She's the actual wizard. <laughs> she's the wizard, the fake wizard, the wonderful wizard, the bad wizard, <laughs> the, the FDR. Pretender. Yes, FDR, FDR. Okay. Dumbledore, Dumbledore. Sure. <laughs> Um, she apparently did serve as a choir director in a congregational church, which gives her a connection to the author of Gilead. Oh, great. Yeah, and then in 60... So Is she had Phantom a, coming? He she called to, herself but, a Christian. Yeah. As far as her Christianity goes, my understanding was she's quite a bit like Lewis in that she was a universalist. She thought that everybody, the whole Much world... Much more explicitly bad than Lewis. But, yes. To do Lewis a little credit, she yeah. was explicitly on record as being just a yeah, not universalist. To hate, not to hate on Lewis unnecessarily. She no. was really, really stupid in She hers. did not believe in hell. She, there's a quote I read by her where she said, I don't believe in, that a God could ever infinitely punish anybody. I think all punishment is just like the punishment that we, we punish children with. We want them to get better and that's who God is. He's our father. And so punishment is is temporary. And Everybody uh, would be redeemed. Nobody would be lost. God yep. would get all of his little lost sheep and that everybody would be saved. And this actually got her banned from a lot of Christian bookstores. Yeah. And so I didn't realize she called herself a Christian writer. And then I read this, and this is just full of a bunch of hokey Christian thinking. It reads a lot like The Shack or something, or yeah. I imagine what The Shack well, would guys, probably read like. Just remind me <laughs> before we go on, this book actually has a part. Am I remembering this wrong? This book has a part where she's, she she compares Jesus to Gandhi yes. yeah, and Abraham Lincoln. I don't know who, but it's oh, just yeah, like yeah. all the people that have ever that have it's, ever resisted the black thing. It's when, yeah, it's when Jesus they're talking about one of them. the darkness and people who oppose it. Michelangelo, she, all the great artists. And she says, and you guys know, like, there was one great, basically great freedom fighter, like yeah. the Han Solo of them all. Mm-hmm. And then that one kid says, it was Jesus. And she's like, you got it. <laughs> and they all start naming off. She says, basically, any artist, whoever, was a warrior for light. And so right. they say, Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, right up there. So it's like Dan Brown. Yeah. But worse than Dan Brown. Yeah. Which worse is pretty hard. <laughs> worse than Dan Brown. Oh, man. The most unfortunate part of her life is the fact that she got this novel published <laughs> <laughs> and that it won a Newbery Award. It's like Crash winning the Oscar for Best Picture. <laughs> Found it. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's let's just hear it. <laughs> so they're talking about the darkness, dark. and we will continue to fight. And we're not alone, you know, children. Came Mrs. What's at the Comforter. All all through the universe, it's being fought. All through the cosmos, and my, but it's a grand and exciting battle. I know it's hard for you to understand about size, how there's very little difference in the size of the tiniest microbe in the greatest <coughs> galaxy. You think about that, and maybe it won't seem strange to you that some of our very best fighters have come right from your own planet. And it's a little planet, dears, out on the edge of a little galaxy. You can be proud it's done so well. <laughs> Who have our fighters been? Calvin asked. <laughs> oh, you must know them, dear, Mrs. What's it said. Mrs. Who's spectacles shone out at them triumphantly, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Jesus! Charles Wallace said. Why, of course, Jesus! Of course, Mrs. What's it said. Go on, Charles, love. There were others, all your great artists. They've been lights for us to see by. Leonardo da Vinci struck them dead. <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci, Calvin suggested. <laughs> and Michelangelo. Boo! And Shakespeare, Charles Wallace cl- cl- called out. And Bach, and Pasteur, and <laughs> Madame like, Curie, I do and have Einstein. To, I do have to say, this sounds like an amazing comic book. <laughs> <laughs> Now Calvin's voice rang with confidence. And Schweitzer, and Gandhi, and Buddha, and Beethoven, and Rembrandt, and St. Francis. Oh, boo. Now you, Meg, Mrs. What's-It ordered. Oh, Euclid, I suppose. Meg was in such an agony of impatience that her voice grated irritably. And Copernicus. But what about father? Please, what about father? We are going to your father. (laughs) That's like a drunk Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) But where is he? Meg went, <laughs> oh, Meg went over to Mrs. Witch and stamped as though she were as young as Charles Wallace. 
That's pretty much it. She won the Newberry Award. We've talked about Newberry Award medal winners before. Charlotte's Webb won the Newberry Award. What a disgrace that Charlotte's Newberry Webb Award should be is in typically the same... awarded to good children's literature, mm-hmm. and somehow this pulled the wool over a lot of people's eyes. Yeah, people like this because I guess they thought that she was offering some unique perspective that was. Did Charlotte's Webb win, or did it just get an? It ought to be on the front of our books, shouldn't it? Newberry Honor Book. It's an honor, which means it's like a runner-up, right? Yeah. But it didn't win. W and T, though, won, right? It won. This was the Newberry Award winner. Oh, boo. So, boy, howdy. You read some interview where she says she's touched by angels or something now? (laughs) I read a New Yorker piece that came out. They interview all these feminists who just say she was instrumental, and especially this book was instrumental in teaching them how to be feminists and why they should be feminists. So there's that, which isn't calculated to make us happy on the bookening, I'm afraid. Sorry, feminists, if you're listening. But she just inhabits the character of Madeline all English. You can tell she has a reputation that she, you know, she has to live up to. So she's just being wonderfully, adorably her during this interview. She's describing to the interviewer how a poltergeist shoved her the other day and she went flying across the kitchen and she's just being so cutesy and, you know, just playing the part of Madeline all English. And it just does makes you want to puke. Uh huh. You know what a feminist and two stalks of corn share in common? What? There's just air between the ears. <laughs> you could apply that to any group of person that you don't, don't like, really. But, oh, yeah. Uh, well, oh, wait. Hey, the, there goes the bad baggage train. Airplane. <laughs> yeah, it's tesseracting across the galaxy. Jake, what baggage did you bring to this book? I can't exactly remember now, but I'm pretty sure that this was one of the many books that Mrs. Culliver, Mrs. Libby Culliver introduced me to, Hmm. my beloved fifth grade teacher. And if you're a new listener, she's sprinkled throughout this whole show. Yeah, you've talked about her before. Um, Mrs. Culliver was a woman who, she was my fifth grade teacher in our very special Mm-hmm. Gifted and talented, her right. We mm-hmm. call it Horizons class. Just full of little Charles Wallaces. Just full of Charles Wallaces. Mrs. Culliver, I hated her at the time because she had expectations and she required a lot of us. And I hadn't had many teachers like that. I, nobody quite like her. For a kid from a broken home who grew up living with his dad, not with his mom, to have somebody who really believed in me, who made me feel like I was special, maybe misunderstood. And when what that meant for her was not pampering me, but challenging me and giving me the only C that I'd ever had in my life, but raising the bar for me. Because you always got easy A's. It was just easy, yeah. In case anyone's like... Jake sucked. Jake finally got a C. Finally got a C. Yeah. yeah, no, no. It was just easy A's, and then she, then she came along, and I couldn't just get by it with her and get A's. And she had the nerve to give me a C. I, I sort of just thought I deserved A's because I thought I was special, like Charles Wallace or something. But only I knew it. But then suddenly she knew it. There are a lot of things about her that I just, I love her to death. She's a special person to me. So I, this book was one of the books that that we read and. I really felt validated by, you know, Meg and Charles Wallace and the special kids who were sort of let down by their parents and had to be the ones to come through and save the day. And funny thing, though, I went back to it a couple of years ago. I, I, I don't remember how or why. I, there was a copy in our house or somewhere, maybe not even in our house. For some reason, I came across a copy of it and I sat down and plowed through it, hoping to, to grab back onto some of the magic of it and hoping and expecting to see something or feel something like I I felt coming back to and revisiting the world of Narnia. And man, I hated it so much. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Charles Wallace, the insufferable little brat. I just hated it so much. All dads suck and need their impatient bratty kids who are somehow fakely, stupidly not brilliant to what, and what, Love wins. Like, man, I just hate it. Love wins. (laughs) After you embrace your faults, Jake, your faults. So, I mean, I was really, really disappointed. And then I wondered after the fact, did I hate it just because, you know, it was a reaction to a reaction? How fair was I being in hating it? And so we were looking at books to fill in because we knew we would have some thin months where we wouldn't have an episode for a week. And so we were looking at like, okay, well, are there movies coming up based on books that Mm -hmm. people will be reading or excited about reading? And there was Wrinkle in Time. I think I might have been the one to suggest it. I guess came to it again, hoping that I was reacting to a reaction. And this is actually a pretty okay book after all. But um, we'll see. We'll see about that. 
We have it's given not like no we've, we've been, yet. <laughs> yeah, we've we've been, been playing poker so far. Our audience <laughs> does not know. Brandon, yeah, what baggage did you bring to this book? Uh, not a whole lot. I don't think I even knew this book existed until I was in junior high. Maybe I had. Uh, it's strange the books that I knew existed and didn't exist at certain parts of my life. Like I didn't read the Chronicles of Narnia when I was young. I think I've said that before. Mm-hmm. We read Charlotte's Web. We read the books that my parents grew up with, uh, Little House on the Prairie, all those. So I never was exposed to this book or to a lot of sci-fi in general. In fact, probably my first exposure to sci-fi was X-Files <laughs> and Star Wars. So I didn't read this book, uh, and this is actually my first time to read this book. I've never read it. I've never desired to read it. There was something about her name that reminded me of this French restaurant in Texas. <laughs> that I just So I just didn't want to pick it up. And most of the people who recommended it. I had suspicions about their tastes. Mm -hmm. And so no, I never did pick it up. And so this was the first time I didn't know a whole lot about it. I saw some really bad TV movie, like a part of it once. And that's about all. That's my experience with this book. I have been joyfully kind of oblivious of the existence of Madeline Lingle and this book and haven't had much reason to ponder them (laughs) until this point. (laughs) So a little bit like lots of people go through the world. They don't even know the black thing is trying to take over our galaxy or whatever. Who would have thought? But it is. It's like the equivalent of smog, like just a (laughs) thick layer of smoke. Smog. Smog. I believe is how it's pronounced. (laughs) Smog. My baggage is very similar to Jake's. I read it around the same time that he did. I want to say fifth or sixth grade. My mom really liked it. Interesting fact. Semi-interesting. Maybe not all that interesting. (laughs) I don't know. You be the judge audience. She really liked it around that time, I think. She read it and liked it and read all the whole swiftly tilting lingual books and liked them but then she went back to them years later and was just like what <laughs> why did i like that and i've talked to more than one person who's had this experience with this author where they, they liked it at a certain point in their life it meant something and then they came back to it and that's very much my experience just like jake i, I liked it as a kid i thought it was kind of cool it had some of that narnia i want to say specifically the feeling that the sixth the magician's nephew, the sixth one. Yeah. The, that feeling of other worlds, of all the pools that they could jump into and just transcendent feeling of yeah. all the different dimensions that could be out there with all the different creatures. What like HP Lovecraft would do for me later in life. I responded to it on that level and I think I liked it, but I forgot all about it. I didn't even remember that it existed. And then Jake brought it up maybe a year ago when we started to dance around the idea of doing it. And I was just like, oh yeah, that was a book that I read. And it brings back a lot of memories. It brings back memories of all the Newberry books, the Bronze Bow, the Johnny Tremaine. We've talked about them before on the podcast, but certainly that's a specific and evocative time in my life was when I was reading all those. What were, you know, uh, The Giver. I lump all these books kind of together in my mind. Bridge to Terabithia, stuff like that. So this was one of those for me. And I grew up with those. Lloyd Alexander. I don't know if anybody remembers. Did you ever have to read Lloyd Alexander or you? I don't think so. He did like fantasy books and people liked them, but I don't know if anybody knows or cares anymore. But yeah, so and then I reread it. Yeah. Well, guys, how'd you feel about uh, A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lingle? Why don't we have Brandon tell us about the first page? Because he sent us multiple texts. Why I was so frustrated? Well, let's turn to this first page. All right. Here's what I would hope from a a children's author. Mm. One, that they are a good enough writer that they're not going to be feeding a child bad writing from the very beginning. Mm. They're going to attempt to create images and evoke feelings without going towards either cliche or metaphors that just don't work. That they're actually just going to do good writing. Okay. I mean, you want a child, children's author to be a good writer. So this is the first line I get. One, Mrs. Watsit. Well, that's already, I'm already like, what in the world? <laughs> Mrs. Watsit, okay. And then I get, it was a dark and stormy night. Now, as, as we pointed out, Snoopy, the great Beagle himself, he started all his novels that way, Brandon. It's a great beginning for a novel. Yeah, and he meant it tongue-in-cheek. And as you pointed out, maybe she was trying to be cute with it. I think she was probably trying to be cute. I I give you that. I don't have to like her cuteness, <laughs> right? Fair enough. I don't have to. I don't have to be on board with it. I, I don't have the... to. I don't have to agree with her that she's cute. <laughs> I think that's I, what I said. I thought it was a cute way to start a story. I, I will stand by the first sentence. The book may or may not have gone down, downhill after that, but I thought it was kind of a fun first. Sentence. Well, you can have it then, but I don't. 
<laughs> we can agree. Jake, what do you think? You give it to her? I, well, I think the rest of the book speaks for itself. And I'm not very concerned about the first line. <laughs> all right, all right. It's spoken like a diplomat. In her <laughs> attic bedroom, Margaret Murray, wrapped in an old patchwork quilt, sat on the foot of her bed and watched the trees tossing in the frenzied lashing of the wind. Behind the trees, clouds scudded frantically across the sky. Every few moments, the moon ripped through them, creating wraith-like shadows. So automatically, I mean, this was just, I was frustrated from the very beginning because for one, it's a subtle enough thing, but who describes moonlight as ripping through anything? Moonlight's not something that rips. But it's casting wraith-like shadows. No, it's, yeah. it's casting these stark we shadows. All, we, we know I'm going to argue for Madeline L'Engle's Wraith-like shadows. Wraiths are... They're, they're ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. You know how they, ghosts they are always rip. ripping things. <laughs> they don't rip. Moonlight they're is... They're scary. Every, ghosts every, are known for no, their but, ripping. But, they come to but, stalk but, you in the eye. history, <laughs> moonlight is being seen as it is a soft light. Right. That might be scary, might be gloomy, might be eerie, might be all these things that you might associate with moonlight, but you don't associate it with ripping. Right. That's just bad writing. But the clouds moonlight doesn't rip through rip anything. To part. No, but the moonlight fine. Maybe it was just the wind maybe, is ripping maybe, it then, but the moon's Brandon, not ripping Brandon, anything. Brandon, maybe it was a super blue blood moon. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, it was a super blue blood right. moon. Yeah, it's right. It was like Voltron or something. It was. <laughs> you know, actually, the clouds being ripped apart. That's a pretty cool sentence. If she had said the clouds were ripping. Yeah. I like the image of clouds ripping apart. Like if it was just the clouds ripping, that would be cool. The wind can rip the clouds. Yeah, if the wind was ripping the clouds. I mean, I don't my think my issue is that whenever you're writing an image or a poem or anything, just mm-hmm. an image in a novel, you want it to have some sense of the it metaphor. Needs to, it needs to resonate with yeah, the way the that people have always. Yeah. And so you can't like, unless there's a real reason for you to say like, the moon's about to explode or something, and, mm-hmm. then, and then it could rip through something, sure, because it's pieces of the moon. But if it's just moonlight, it doesn't rip through anything. Mm-hmm. It's just bad. And so she lost me from the first page as right. far as me having any faith in her ability to write. I, she was lazy. I knew she was going to be a lazy writer. And that was just confirmed then by Charles Wallace waltzing onto the scene <laughs> in all his stupid glory. Well, uh, that was page number one. Page number two. No, no, no. We're not going to go through the whole thing. All right. Let's just let's just rip this sucker. To sh- much like the moon ripped those trees apart. Let's. Uh, we'll be like the moon. Yeah, yeah. Let's be the moon to Madeline Langle's Wrinkle in Time. Guys, we hated this book. Why did we hate this book? Two words. Charles <laughs> Wallace. Charles Avocado Toast. Is it Avocado Toast? I don't. I didn't even bother bringing my copy. Yeah, I think it's Avocado. But that whole first it's chapter where. The dumb baby brother. The dumb this baby brother. This is a quote. In quote, Even Charles in Wallace, the dumb baby brother. It's where he's like, "Let me prepare some liverwurst for you, mother." And it's like, he's four years old. He's four years old. You guys he's have four-year-olds. Four Do they I prepare have, sandwiches? For I don't you? have a four-year-old. Oh, you guys, you have had multiple four-year-olds. I've had multiple though. four-year-olds. Well, I have. Yeah, I've had lots of four-years-olds, and I've never had this happen. I come down the stairs. <laughs> Hi, he said cheerfully. I've been waiting for you. <laughs> That's the you first introduction we get to this creeper. Be calling an exorcist <laughs> so fast if that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then she says, why don't you come up to the attic? So we're just going to treat this like a script. I've been scared stiff because that's one way to actually tell the quality of a writer. Mm, sure. It's just, you've made this point before. Not in, I don't think, on the bookening, but to just, uh, students we've been teach, we've taught together. Yeah. You know, just tear out the dialogue and see if it works by itself. Mm-hmm. He says, too windy up in that attic of yours. I knew you'd be down. I put some milk on the stove for you. It ought to be hot by now. Too windy up in that attic of yours. Too windy up in that attic of yours. I put some milk on. This is how all four-year-olds talk. Yeah. (laughs) I put some milk on the stove. But he's special, Nathan. He's got telekinesis or whatever, doesn't he? He's got... Sure. It's not telekinesis. It's some... Telekinesis is you move things with your mind. Well, we've got a first chapter where... Telepathic. Don't worry about... No. Let's see. I want to hear about these sandwiches. What, what? First of all, these family eats the grossest sandwiches well, in the world. Then you get on pants. Yeah. So I mean, you just go through this whole first chapter is just a lesson in how to write really poorly story. Because or she was, they're all worried about whether or not they're dumb. Charles Wallace is t- too secure to be worried about whether or not he's dumb. But everybody thinks he's dumb. Mm-hmm. He's actually a baby genius. Meg's worried about whether or not she's dumb. Dumb, but she kind of knows she's not dumb because her dad gave her an IQ test and then kind of winked at her. But didn't tell her the results. 
but that wasn't creepy for your parents to give you an IQ test. That's no. not like that was used on the TV show Alias as a creepy thing her dad did to her. Um, <laughs> we're so mad at Wrinkle in Time, we're going to even summon Alias. To, yeah. to, 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 then this ammunition. is the next line we get from her. Yeah. You'd better check the milk. You know you don't like it when it gets a skin on top. This is so creepy. <laughs> you put in more than twice enough milk, Meg, peered into the saucepan. Then he says, I thought Mother might like some. I might like what, a voice said. Coco, would you like a liverwurst and cream cheese sandwich? Mm, I'll be happy to make you one. By the way, I'm four, and I can't reach the handles of the refrigerator. (laughs) That would be lovely, but I can make it myself if you're busy. No trouble at all, said Charles. No trouble at all. I have had four kids Mm -hmm. that have been four. Right. And a fifth kid that will turn four this March. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend like they're all the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm also not going to pretend like they're dumb. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to say about Charles Wallace. Yeah, I actually have a four-year-old, Henry, right yeah. now. He's right in between Geneva and Abram. Right? Yeah, and Henry's by no means a dumb kid. Mm-hmm. He's a bright kid, but he doesn't act like this. He doesn't You say, make him a... Oh, ma- father, I'm you, gonna- you take Henry, yeah. who's a bright kid, and you make him, r- ramp him up to super genius. Yeah. How do you get to Charles Wallace? My 13 year old doesn't even talk. Well, because nobody talks like this. That's the problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're all totally. They're all talking like Pete from Mad Men or something. They've got like this Eastern seaboard kind of. Yeah. Would you like that old rock smother? (laughs) Yeah. Nobody. I feel like we're in the beginning of a Twilight Zone episode and we're going to find out that this is actually a family of aliens or something. Or robots. Nobody is behaving like a human being, talking like a human being. And then a homeless lady comes and they just invite. Her in <laughs> within the first chapter, and, they and they're just shoes. like, I had a feeling that we should invite this homeless lady. Like, who acts like this? I always imagine, by the way, the, take this, this probably means nothing. I, I always imagine Madame Mim is who I think of each of the what's or who's and witches. You know, Madame Mim, you know, Madame Disney, uh, Sword in the Stone. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, Madame Mim, yeah, <laughs> the one that has the wizard's duel with Merlin. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. <laughs> Or, or maybe, maybe some of the fairies from Sleeping Beauty. But these, they, they don't even rise to that level. I don't. I wouldn't even say they they rise to Hocus Pocus level. Uh, I think Oprah and Mindy Kaling and Renee Zellweger, whoever, are too good for this material. Yeah, you can't just throw some random quotes you happen to look up in Bartlett's (laughs) into. Which is, in fact, what she must have done. Yeah, because these are just these are just like the quotes you would find in Bartlett's. That's what you. There's there's nothing impressive. Nobody's impressed by the fact that she can quote Shakespeare's Tempest. Right. She's quoting the part that everybody knows. The audience for the book is just confused by it, as were 26 smart editors. Well, it does exactly what she wants it to do, which is what it did for Anna when she was young, my wife. It makes makes you feel like... This person has some transcendent knowledge. She's mm. ahead of And me. I have no patience for that. I don't have patience oh, for Oh, she's it. quoting German. Oh, she's quoting yeah. French. Oh, she's quoting Latin. You know, I had my little dabbling with transcendent knowledge with mm-hmm. Yates. I've told talked about this. Sure. And it burned me pretty badly. And now I have no patience whatsoever for people who talk about transcendence and then like so Keats talks about negative capability. It's Gnosticism, it's silliness. The knowledge that we're given. Is very. I mean, we we have God's word. Mm-hmm. It's a book. Ah, but she we quotes read. that too, Brandon. Oh, yeah, but she doesn't understand a word of it <laughs> because she doesn't think she no, needs no, no, to. No, 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 no. The angelic unicorns on yeah. the first planet they visit yeah. are singing the songs of Revelation. Yeah, I'm so sure she, that must mean that she gets it. Well, see what she would say, and I imagine is that she doesn't get it. But that's the whole point: is that she doesn't get it. Nobody gets and it. Therefore, can, nobody nobody can get reach it. out with our just like Orwell. We have to. You yeah. have to be special yeah. like Charles see, Wallace in order to be. I think one of the one of the things to concentrate I, really hard. This might be jumping a little bit ahead, but one of the things that I really appreciate that about C.S. Lewis, Lewis, we've said before, C.S. Lewis, where he's really good. One of the places he's really strong is in literary criticism, mm-hmm. and he said one thing that if you're going to have a fairy tale or a, sto- a, a sci-fi story. The laws have to make sense in that world. It has to follow its own laws, and those laws actually have to be tangible. They have to make sense. It doesn't work if you have some world that's just esoteric and incomprehensible because you can't figure it out. Right. Now, if there's like some element to it, like, for example, Blade Runner seems a little bit esoteric and incomprehensible. That kind of works into the story. Right. So you have room for that. But what I'm talking about is when the author just has completely failed to get it themselves. Yeah, you have to feel like whether the author tells you everything or not, you have to feel like they get yes. it. You have to be confident in the fact that they yeah, know. If you went how and talked to works. them 
and said, write down the 10 or 100 or 1,000 rules of this universe, they could actually do it. Explain yeah. this thing that didn't quite make sense. They'd be able to do it. Right. And I have Because no, they know the rules. Right. I have no confidence that she understands what she means by the fifth no, dimension. No, she's just like, there's a black thing, and it's... Uh, I almost got it for a moment there. We don't even know. Yeah. We don't even end up being confident whether the black thing has inhabited it, whether it's the same as the black. I mean, just as yeah, one random such example. A, it's such a stupid cop-out when you have your wise characters always just saying, well, I'm going to kind of use metaphors that will kind of make you get it a little bit, mm-hmm. but really I you're can't, not going to... I've transcended language, so it's really hard for me yeah, to explain Yeah, and you're like, of course you have, you. because you don't get it. Right, I can't explain the plot <laughs> you're too, of this book. You, you're, I... you're the girl who was dumb in school, mm-hmm. and now you want everybody to believe that you suddenly understand Einsteinian <laughs> relativity mm-hmm. and can teach it to us in a book. And I don't believe for one moment that you understand Einsteinian relativity. I believe that you really, really wish that I believed you did as you go off and dabble with ghosts in your house. So just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to cut to the chase here. And I really hate books that flatter you. And I feel like this whole book is just it's f- base, it's nasty, flattery. Pandering, flattering. Pandering. Oh, the teachers never understood you? It wasn't because you were a rebellious brat. It was because you were special. Oh, you you Nobody are angry and you? impatient all the time, and your dad didn't get you? Completely justified, and that's the thing that's going to save you in the end. Right, your faults, your impatience, <laughs> the fact that you do poorly at school. Here is the tall jock, jock uh, who's going to... Hold your hand. Hold your hand. And, and he's yeah. sensitive, Protect and he you. has pain, too, because his mom hits his brothers with a spoon or something. She has no teeth. She has no... And uh, oh man, isn't it sad? And here's Oprah Winfrey playing perfect Mrs. casting. Witch. Yeah, yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect casting. casting. She actually belongs in this movie. This she is Oprah does. Winfrey. Yeah. This just stinks of Oprah Winfrey's rot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> preach it, Brandon. So yeah, man. this whole book is just like flattery for dumb kids that didn't want to try and thought they were special, even though they weren't special. Yeah, I liken it to. What did I, oh, goth kids. Yeah. I hate the scene with her principal where he's trying to, he actually, to my mind, seems like a pretty okay guy that's trying and she's just like, and we're supposed to sympathize (laughs) with her. Isn't all that he does is say, hey, Meg, your dad's been gone for like four years. Stop acting like you're special because of it and acting out. Right. Kind of try to be a good student, maybe. Yeah. Quit failing. I mean, she makes him worse because she does it make him insinuate that he ran off with a woman or something like that. But right. whatever. But that's the book stacking the deck. That's it's, the it's the book stacking the deck. Saying, no principal would say that to right. a 12-year-old girl. Every authority figure is stupid. Or 10 and, or however old yeah. she actually is. Nine, I don't remember. And then once she actually gets dad, dad doesn't save the day. Yeah, so she's just angry, and then her anger turns into love, and she's able to save her little brother, who her father wasn't the chosen one to go and save, even though her father wants to. But Brandon, parents do fail us. It's 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 like a metaphor for life, man. It's like you know, dads aren't perfect. (laughs) They don't always save the day. Hmm. Can't just expect life to be Madeline Lingle to write another fairy tale. Yeah, what I can't expect though is for Madeline Lingle to have the wisdom. To not look at me as nine and ten year old, a nine and ten year old kid, and say, "Yeah, your dad failed, so it's on you to save the world." And you can if you just have the right warm fuzzies about you. Mm-hmm. That's just garbage. I don't need that. I didn't need that. Yeah, no, no kid. No needs kid that. needs that. There are room for stories of dads being so depressed and down that kids have to then break them out of that. I'm thinking of this. There's room for stories where I'm thinking dads the, fail, but... Have you guys seen the movie The Song of the Sea? It's an Irish movie. I've not seen it. I haven't seen that. mother who's a... Sounds like such a weird... It is a weird premise. She's a changeling, and then the daughter's also a changeling, but the dad's depressed the whole movie until the very end because his wife is a changeling and can't be with him. And so that whole movie deals with that, and it actually does it in a fairly good way. But that's not what this movie... This book's not about that. The dad, I don't even know who the dad is. No, we don't get anything about him. I don't know why Chris Pine would agree to play the part in the movie. Yeah, I mean, unless they're adding some meat to the part. Yeah, you don't even know who he is as a character. He was interested in his work and... You thought maybe there was something more at stake, that he was part of something bigger, and he was there fighting? Nope. But then you find out, no, he wasn't He was just fighting. imprisoned That's really and what was, I was hoping, resisting. That he was there fighting, that he was a part of this battle, because they give you a hint that this battle is taking place. So you were hoping that his 
her parents were actually a part of it. But no. You can definitely tell like, I mean, all is, kinds is, of... I don't know much about the books, but is it Lemony Snicket? Mm-hmm. Their parents die because they're a part of something, right? Right. Do you know anything about this? They're I fighting don't. some evil, right? like the pyromaniacs or something. So at least their parents die because they're fighting something. But her dad just disappears because he's a scientist who gets himself into the wrong place at the wrong time, basically. Right. And then the, the villain's just unconvincing as well. So... It's a giant brain. It's like half brain, half smoke monster, basically. Yep. So smog, not smog. Nope. That's the. I mean, that's the impression I got. Just a heavy smoke around the earth. Mm. So great. Bunch of cheap images. Bunch of cheap thrills. Bunch of cheap. Uh, the lesson is cheap. All you need is love. <laughs> do 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 do. Uh, but it's got rainbow unit. They get to ride on a rainbow unicorn. Yeah. I mean, sure. In the end, like the Lord of the Rings, you could argue that that book is all about all you need is love too. You need Sam. They're wasted. Carrying Frodo. Listen, they're ways to do all you need is love. Yeah. I mean, like that's what I'm thinking. Is at the end of the Lord of the Rings, you, you may not be able. You may not be able to carry it, but I can carry you. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful moment of all you need is love. You know, Frodo would have never made it into Mordor without Sam. Yeah. Sam's sacrificial love for him. And it's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful characterizations in any fantasy novel I've ever read. Mm-hmm. And then you get this, and you get Charles Wallace, who is probably, and I'm not being hyperbolic here, I think he is my least favorite <laughs> character I've ever read in a novel. Most annoying. Yeah. yeah. I think I can agree with that. I have a feeling when we get to our redux for 2018, we are going to be talking about Charles Wallace again, one way or Does another. Charles Wallace make the Monster Squad? I don't know what, but I just he doesn't have a feeling. even. Well, no, I, not I'm not even sure that we'll talk about him because I don't think we'll even want to. Yeah, but what it does is it makes him. me. Yeah. It makes me really not like this writer. Let's just throw Lingle at the top of squad. the Monster Squad because she just wants to tell you: double down on your faults. Don't repent of anything. Don't examine yourself. Don't do anything to improve yourself. Just be you. Just be yeah. you. Be you. You do you. Everything will magically yeah. work out. She doesn't even have a conception of what love is. It's just a strong feeling, feeling or that something. You, or something. I don't. I, I didn't learn anything about love from this book. Kids won't learn anything about love. No. I mean, she's Marilyn Robinson without the ability to write or any subtlety about her thinking. That's <laughs> yeah. what she is. She, what she did is she read some C.S. Lewis and yeah. she read some H.P. Lovecraft and said, I can do this. Mm-hmm. But no, she couldn't. As I was reading this, what I was thinking, like, your fiction, it teaches you how to feel about things. It teaches you what, how to, what your tastes are. And it's, it's important. These things are important, especially when you're helping formulate a child's taste. I, I think back on my past, how important it was. I talk about like how essential it was for me that I came upon Tolstoy before I came upon Dostoevsky. Mm-hmm. My life would have been very different. I do believe that. Yeah. And so it was at that critical moment in my life where one or the other, mm-hmm. and I just so happened to pick up War and Peace. Mm-hmm. That's it's, it's crucial. And if you think about giving this to a child, well, they're going to be like uh, Thomas Bertram's daughters, never growing up. I think it. Well, the fact is, though, it resonated with me, and I didn't. And I had plenty of crap that I read when I was young that didn't stick with me. But kids I think... are resilient. Kids can sustain a lot of junk. I guess what worries it doesn't me mean is that you should that... feed it to them, right? Yeah, but what worries me is that then you have this like Ava DuVernay and Oprah Winfrey, these old, these grown-ups, these adults who are clinging on to this as some great work of art. Oh, people swear by this thing. The New Yorker article like, I read had adults just saying it changed their life. And who are did people, I are you find serious? people really that stupid? Yeah, I, who did I? Yeah, no, people swear by this thing. People, the fact that she decides not to hold. Calvin's hand after holding his hand the whole time is like a big deal for a lot of women. It's like a feminist. Ray. We don't have to go through life holding men's hands, just like Meg. What a dumb thing to cling on to. Mm, I just think people like that would be better off just reading The Taming of the Shrew for the rest of their life. (laughs) Not allowed to read anything else. (laughs) Or Anna Kay. Or Or Anna Kay. Yeah, I mean, there's, in the grand scheme of things, there are a lot of novels out there. Yeah. But if you had to just devote yourself to a few for the rest of your life, you wouldn't be that bad off. I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently Coleridge, Samuel Coleridge, the famous poet, mm-hmm. he only read the Bible and Shakespeare. You could do worse. Those were the only things he ever read. Somebody asked him why, and he said, well, nobody ever did it better, so why would I read them? So, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Thanks a lot, Madeline Lingle. You made Brandon despair of reading. <laughs> I'm going to keep reading. <laughs> this is the All final episode. I mean, we yeah, even... <laughs> this is over. This is just becoming the Tolstoy Austin Shakespeare podcast. <laughs> Hey, that'd be a pretty good podcast. I'd listen to that. But we will do some other books for people. All right, guys, I have some questions from the Scholastic Guide that they publish <laughs> oh, good. for this book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, Mrs. Culliver, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I love you still. No, we still love Mrs. Culliver. Number one, dangerous things. Well, this would be rapid fire. Jake, dangerous things happen throughout the story. 
How does this create suspense? <laughs> 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 well, when there are dangerous things that happen, then you are wondering... Are my are these characters in danger? False. So the correct answer is it doesn't. <laughs> Brandon, why is it so important for the children to stay together? Because if they don't, they might get into dangerous situations. False. <laughs> oh. The correct answer is no one cares. <laughs> oh, okay. Number three, Jake. What is the most important thing that happens to each of the children? I wish it was that they died. <laughs> Correct. Uh, Brandon, are Meg, Calvin, and Charles Wallace changed by what happens to them? How? Does it matter? <laughs> Who cares? Correct. Jake, how do the different planets and places the children visit add to the story? What? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Brandon, if you could pick another world for the children to travel to, what would it be like? It would be called Narnia and written by C.S. Lewis. <laughs> I also would have accepted a world that contains no wrinkle in time, a world where the 27th editor <laughs> rejected. Uh, Br- Jake, Jake, how are Mr. Murray's actions examples of the themes in the book? The book has themes? <laughs> Brandon, how important do you think love is in the world? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Jake, how does love save Charles Wallace? No. <laughs> Brandon, what is so evil about it? That it didn't kill Charles Wallace. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It should have killed Charles Wallace. Should have. Oh, the in, whole book in would real life, we'd, be, re- we'd be recommending this book. Yeah, man. I would have been <laughs> I think shocked. So. Yeah. A cautionary tale. This is what will happen to you. Yeah. If you don't spank that kid and shove a big handful of Ritalin down his throat. Yeah. <laughs> which is what you should do, parents. If you've got a little Charles Wallace. <laughs> Something's wrong Ritalin with that boy. <laughs> Call the exorcist. Yep, 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 yep. Guys, one other thought that I had while reading this book that I just wanted to share with you and our listeners. There was another book which came out in 1962 about good versus evil and coming of age and dads being weak or strong or whatever. And it even ended with a stupid, we got to love this thing, evil thing, in order to win. And you'd think we would hate that book. You'd think so. But you might think that. (laughs) We really liked that book, as I recall. Did we? Yeah. It's called Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh, Oh, yeah. Published the same year. That was an actual good book. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's called having talent versus having no talent <laughs> having something to say versus not yeah. <laughs> something to I say mean, i thought that madeline lingle was only you know this sort of book was only able to be written in the amazon publishing your own books <laughs> time but i guess not if people want to read one book about uh, coming of age good versus evil father is dad weak or isn't he kind of book then i might recommend something wicked and with a really weird all you need is love kind of ending. Yeah. If you want to see, uh, we we kind of made fun of the all you need is love ending for something wicked, but compared to Wrinkle in Time, Man, it's, it's it's a great Shakespeare. Yeah, Dad uh, slaps the tears right out of his eyes. That's right. Kind of wish he would have done that for Charles Wallace or for Meg yeah. or something, or that the dad would have done anything <laughs> <laughs> at all besides be an incompetent bumbling yeah. fool. <laughs> all right. So what have we learned today, folks, fellas? Hey, Do, guess what? What? God is still God, mm-hmm. and God's stories still resonate. And you can slap some faux Christian crap on a story, and if it doesn't resonate with the way God made the world, it's going to be crap. And you can be a pagan, tap into something that is true about the way God made the world, and wipe the floor with the faux Christian schlock. Yep. Ray Bradbury, the weird sci-fi humanist, is a much better Christian than this Christian poser, Madeline Olingle, in his right. way. So yay, Ray Bradbury. Yay, Brad, Brad, Ray. <laughs> Ray Brad, Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury. Bay Radbury. <laughs> Bay Radbury, A. And boo. Boo to Madeline Olingle. Boo with all the boos. All the boos all in the, the, world. Boos the world. We are the dark cloud coming across the universe. If it means purging the universe <laughs> of this thing, then sure. That's all we're interested in. Ant Beast was kind of fun, I thought. Yeah, whatever. I liked Ant Beast, all right. I liked right. Ant Beast, <laughs> She's no bultitude.
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Booking today. Go to patreon.com forward slash The Booking. Brandon looks like he has something to say. No. I don't. Okay. Uh, Jake, they should probably sign up for at least $10 a month. They could be part of the most beloved segment of the entire <laughs> Donor thing. Donor shout outs. Donor shout outs. Yeehaw. <laughs> Fun fact about next week we get to watch the <laughs> movie. Yay. <laughs> the Wrinkle in Time movie starring Oprah. Do we have to pay money for that. You see the movie, and you see the movie, and you see the... Get it? It's an Oprah thing that I'm doing here. It's a famous thing that she did. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm being like Oprah. Oh. I got it. You guys understand it? Yeah. You get it? Ah, we're going to go see the movie. It's going to be great. Uh-huh. Well, we will single-handedly prevent Oprah from uh, winning the presidency. Yeah. Yeah. By uh, our review of that movie. That's uh, right. Pretty we, sure. Yep. We, can, we, uh, we single-handedly... Uh, kept uh, Wonder Woman Wonder out of the Woman Oscars. That's out right. of the Oscars, and yep, we will single-handedly keep uh, Oprah out of uh, the Oval Office. That is what we will do. That is what we will do. Yeah, folks, uh, thanks for listening to our Wrinkle in Time. <laughs> we'll be back with more Wrinkle in Time. And guys, I'm going to go into that theater with an open mind. I'm prepared to like the movie. Oh, yeah, me too. I like to like things. I honestly, I, too. I know we had fun trashing this I like thing, Chris Pine. I like... Yeah. That's that's uh, I can't give anything much more. I like the colorful design aesthetic evident in the trailers. I think it looks look kind of visually interesting. Maybe I don't know. I think I'm gonna hate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, stop being honest with yourself. Here's a question: Do you think that Charles Wallace of the movie will be less annoying than Charles yes. Wallace of the book? I think yes. he probably will be. I don't there's, think there's any way you can actually have a child try to act. First of all, he's going to have to be at least twice the age. They'll be like seven or eight. We already, I actually already looked it up. The kid that's playing him is nine now, so he would have been about eight when he filmed it, which yeah. makes way more sense than a four-year-old for this kind of a part. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the, the city of Kazmataz. <laughs> Kamazats. <laughs> Kamazats. Let's not go there. It is a silly place. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>